Women Taking the Lead, episode 32. My concept is the more I have, the more I have to give. And that I'm trying to be a source of good and power in the world. And getting to help other women in business has been so important to me. And I just take great pride in it. And it feeds me too. It reminds me of what's possible and to stop playing small and to, to have a big idea. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Jody Womack, the creator of Women's Business Socials, brings women in business together to have vibrant and meaningful connections in person and online. She also co-founded the Womack Company with her husband, Jason. Jody delivers innovative ideas with integrity and an authentic desire to see everyone succeed. Jody turns best possible scenarios into everyday success, and she and I spell our names the exact same way. So I like her a lot already. So Jody, that's just an intro for everyone. Tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Thanks so much. I started off as an admin assistant and literally I started off part-time data entry and I was working for a public speaker who went around the world and spoke to audiences all over. And then I joked that one day I answered the phone and became customer service. And it was really a great place for me to start because the owner would just hand things over from bookkeeping and copy editing and writing newsletters for me to do. And so it was a great way for me to learn from the ground up. I was working with this couple that ran their business out of their home. And that's what my husband and I do now. We get to uh, travel the world and speak to audiences and build online platforms. And I, I, from you could tell from my bio that I love bringing people together. I created the women's business socials because I thought networking events were a little boring. And if I could just hang out with a bunch of rad women that own their own companies and had interesting things to talk about, I'd have more fun and I'd learn more. So that's what I started about seven years ago. And I did it once a month for five years. And really that was my humble beginning because it took me about three months to get up the courage to ask a local uh, restaurant if I could use their banquet room. And I don't know about you, but I really don't like being told no. There's something very, <laughs> I don't know, like shaming or like I, I was afraid of what they would say. And my husband would be like, you have to get over this. They're going to say, yes, you can have it for free. Yes, you can have it for a fee or no. Like those are the three options. And I don't know what my real fear was, but it took me a really long time to get it together. And, you know, I love this story and this person because I went in and I spoke with her and I said, I'd love to use your back banquet room. It's so beautiful. And I'd love to put together a networking event for women entrepreneurs. Could I have this? And I said, well, you can have it for free on one condition. So I stopped. And I got a little nervous and I couldn't imagine. She said, well, as long as I'm invited and I can attend, you can have it here for as many times as you want. And that to me was just the most 
beautiful, abundant answer I could have ever asked for because it validated the desire that I had as well. It's like, we just want to hang out with other women just like us that are doing well, but could use some support and, and have a good time. Like, that's part of it. It's a really important part of it. So that rainy night, we had 15 girlfriends. One of them was a nursing mom and she had put her baby in the corner when she was networking and then she'd go over and nurse. And it was the, it was so powerful to see these women come together and, you know, the woman that was nursing, she said, I'm so sorry. And she kept apologizing. And I said, you know what? That's just part of what you got going on right now. You know, there's no need to apologize. And I think as women, we all take on extra things that sometimes we, we apologize for or feel awkward about. And for me, it's like, find your people. You know, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned from doing the No More Nylons events was hang out with great people that you enjoy and keep showing up, you know, and it started off humble with just a dozen or so people. And then my largest event ever was 220 people at a bed and breakfast here in our little tiny town. And it looked like a wedding. The business owner <laughs> was a woman who really understood the value of the marketing potential of bringing in locals. And locals don't really have a need for hotels and motels and bed and breakfasts and things like that. But she knew the power of how women talk. And when they have a great experience, they share it with everybody. And so she put on with the white linen and the strawberry chocolate fountain things, you know, the strawberry dipping in the chocolate and a champagne station. And it was one of the most talked about networking events all year long. And it, it came from this idea and the source of let's have a good time. I love that. And that was brilliant on your part one, to bring so many people together because you're in the role of hostess. And I know from you, Jody, you know, because I've been to a lot of networking events and they've all been different. Yes. I'm certain there's something about the way you organize and structure these networking events that everyone feels welcome and accepted. And there's a positive vibe going on. So I can definitely pick up on that from what you're talking about. And what a brilliant idea on the part of the woman hosting it to really like pull out all the stops on that event. Because yeah, local people don't need to stay at a hotel necessarily, but they might have their wedding there right. and their relatives coming from across the country might stay there and they need event halls for, you know, the baby showers and the engagement parties. Exactly. And, all of that stuff. So what better way to pull out all the stops and show what you're capable of is to offer something. But what a great marketing tool. And I think sometimes, especially business owners, don't think of it that way. Like, okay, I'm going to give something away, but it will showcase right. what I'm capable of. Right. And it, when you first talked about the intention behind events, I think that's really important to find the networking events that match you and your style I started mine because I didn't enjoy the other ones. And that's pretty much the nicest way I can put it. I had a lot of other <laughs> words I used, but I wanted to hang out with nice people that were proactive and wanted to keep learning and growing and meeting new people. A lot of the networking events I was going to, it was felt very clicky and there were a lot of rules and a lot of fees and I, I just don't like that kind of structure for me personally. So I created something that I liked. And I think that's so important for women in business too, to say, you know what, I'm going to 
use my own rules and I, it's, I'm going to find my people. And that's been a great lesson for me to say, you know what? I like networking events that are free and casual and social. I just want to show up, have a glass of wine, talk to some nice people. And if I need to go home, I want to go home and not feel like I have to sit through 10 minute presentations or, you know, the 30 second pitches where everybody goes around the room. I, those make me very antsy and uncomfortable. So I think it's really important to find your people and to find what works for you. And in my experience, I've had so much more success and fun finding somebody and saying, hey, let's go have coffee next Tuesday because I'd like to hear more about you know, your technical services or your bookkeeping services and set up private appointments because I'm better one-on-one and I actually get to know people deeply. And then I can really decide, oh, this is someone I'd like to do business with or not. You know, and if it's just coffee, then it's a low commitment, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I love that you are underscoring how important it is to have something out there for everyone. There are some people who love tons of structure and organization, know exactly what they're going in and what they're going to get. And there are some people who like the more open-ended styles of networking. I actually like a mix Mm -hmm. of it. I belong to Business Networking International or BNI. So there's the structured aspect, but I also like to get together with the same people socially to hang out, have a drink, or even coffee dates to get to know each other very well. And also I want to underscore for those of you who are listening, who are not entrepreneurial or own your own business and don't have any plans for it. Networking events aren't just for business people. They're also awesome events for your career because it keeps your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the community. And there's always an opportunity to think about and have relationships with people who could help you in your career down the line, find mentors, you know, et cetera, et cetera, onwards. Like I love networking events. I love networking. And I just think it's incredibly valuable for everybody. Jody, I totally agree with you. And so often I've heard entrepreneur um, employees and people who have day jobs, the first time they ever try networking is when they get laid off or when something terrible happens and they're going out for the first time and it's this awkward feeling. So it's so important to start before you need it practice introducing yourself and just say a few words about what you do or the kind of skills or the industry you're in. And also it's so much easier to network when you have something to give. So when you're employed, when you could be a mentor, when you have something and you're on sure footing, it's a way of building a relationship by giving first Instead of going around saying, hey, do you know anybody who's hiring? Hey, do you know anybody, you know, who could hire me right away? And like that desperate, needy place. So I, right. I totally agree that network before you need it. Yes. Even though you need it, <laughs> but you're not, but you're not desperate for it. Right. right? <laughs> I love that. Now, Jody, you've clearly had success in your life. You've definitely gained a lot of confidence along the way, but take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not even have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. So uh, as I mentioned, when I first started, I used to work for another company where he was speaking doing public seminars and things like that on time management and organization. And I love this job because I was on the phone and I was on email, but really I went to school, I went to work in, you know, shorts and a t-shirt and I didn't have to interact with the general public or go into a big office building. And so every once in a while I would go to some of the conferences around the country to set up the event. 
And my boss would say, would you introduce me before I come on stage? And I worked for this man for seven years. And I said no every single time he asked. And I look back on that now and just sort of put my hands over my face and shake my head because it was he was trying so hard to get me to just stand up and be seen, be present. And it just terrified me. It truly... I wanted no part of public speaking, even if it was, you know, saying this man's name and the name of his book and, you know, now help me welcome and, and have them clap. Like that was just too hard for me. And the irony is now I love speaking on stage and I love being interviewed. And I, the shift came from doing these women's business socials because people would confide in me. They'd say, oh, I don't, you know, I almost didn't come because my business cards aren't ready. Or I, you know, have my baby with the babysitter in the hotel lobby, you know, down the hallway. And I may need to step out if she starts crying, you know, and that sort of thing. And people would just confide their personal stories and, and with me. And it gave me confidence to know that everybody's got something, you know, everybody's carrying a little burden or a little fear or doubt. It's never as perfect as the shiny, glossy photos look. And to me, it, it was very endearing, you know, where I say, you know what, take care of yourself, stay as long as you can, as long as you'd like, and then step out when you need to go. And just the look of gratitude that I wasn't judging or, or being harsh to these people, it was actually an acknowledgement of their values. You know, they wanted to be good moms. They wanted to be good spouses. They, you know, they needed, they wanted to be a good introvert, you know, whatever the story was, how do you take care of yourself, honor other people? And so I started speaking at women's groups and a few entrepreneurial clubs, sharing the networking stories that women were sharing with me. And it never felt like public speaking. It felt like me just telling stories that other women had shared with me. And so there's just been this huge shift inside where it's not me trying to be an actor or measuring up to someone else's performance standards or doing a good enough job for them. Now it's now that I have my own messaging, I just want to share it and help as many people as I can. And inside of me, the energy is different. The anxiety is different. I still get really excited and nervous before a talk, especially, you know, I've gotten to speak in front of 500 people before and sure there's still butterflies and there's still a lot of energy running through my body. But I think now that it's kind of wrapped in love and warmth and, you know, the sharing side of it, it's, it's a lot easier to hold on to that energy and, and use it to help me share the message. I love how you said that because yes, there even people who are really great at speaking will talk about how they still feel nervous before they go on. And I think part of it is just the label we give it. Of course, when you're about to, to be visible to so many people and everyone's attention is going to be on you, there's an energy that starts building in your body and we can label it that we're scared. Or we can label it that we're excited. Yeah. Because really, it's just energy. And we're, we're giving it a label 
Oh my gosh, there was so much that I thought about as <laughs> as you were talking because when you when you said about how you wouldn't even do like the one or two minute introduction for seven years, couldn't and, do it. You know, <laughs> like I, you know, I think of that, and a lot of people are afraid to speak. It's actually the number one fear. It beats out death. I know. You know, I it's scary. But I I think we're framing it all wrong because if you look at all the TED talks that can ignite and. Um, you know, just look at YouTube, how many people want to be seen and heard. We just need to reframe the whole public speaking concept and find what our message is to share because messaging message sharing is a lot more comfortable than public speaking, right? Like if you just hold that different inside of you, quite frankly, it has been one of the biggest gifts in my life. I've gotten to speak in Paris and Venice, Italy. I've spoken and done women's socials in Zurich, uh, Switzerland, and all over the United States, where whenever I'm traveling with my husband for his speaking gigs, I'll put together a women's social. And I know I'm onto something because women have no idea what it is or what we're going to (laughs) do or who I am but they still show up and they bring their friends because they're so hungry for something different and genuine and authentic where they can just be themselves. I always say, you know, come as you are. It's not a dress up high heel, fancy competition, la la kind of a thing. That's not my style. Show up as you are and be comfortable and take good care of yourself. And that's, who's going to show up as well. And that's where really interesting team building and, and, you know, networking happens. And, you know, Jody, two points, because while you were talking, what brought, I've never made this connection before, but what came to mind, the visual I had when you were talking about, you know, just getting over the hump and, and gaining the ability to just stand up and speak in front of people. It's like learning how to drive a car. Can you imagine if you never got in behind the wheel to, to learn how to drive a car? Cause it was too scary. Like how limited your life would be. Right. Like you'd be dependent on other people to get you places. And what you, and you went on after that visualization came into my mind, you went on to say how expanded your world became after you were able to get up and speak and spread your message. And I love how you reframe public speaking to just having the ability to spread your message. So for those of you who are listening, if just being able to stand up and, and talk in front of a crowd, like think of what you would be capable of then, the message that you can send, the things that are important to you, like your values, you can do something about it and spread the word. The other thing that really hit me while you were talking, Jody, is we, you and I definitely share the value of having people feel welcome and accepted. And I often say that to people too, come as you are. Like it doesn't matter to me what condition you come in, (laughs) right? That's not what's important. It's that you're here. Because you're welcome and you're accepted. And I find like sometimes unconsciously, like I'll catch myself every now and again, putting effort into like it's effort. But for me, it it just happens automatically. I want people to be at ease. Yes. I want them to feel comfortable because I know when they are, then I'll really get to experience the real them. Yeah. 
rather than the person who is trying to be something, I don't know what, that they, they're trying to like please other people. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like just be at ease, you know, be yourself. That's the person I want to talk to. So definitely I love what you're saying in that because I think that's more important than showing up, like you said, in heels and pearls and <laughs> hair blown out. You know, that that's not what's important. But we could talk about this forever. Yes. So now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. So I was sharing a little bit with you earlier before the recording that I think myself and a lot of women get very shy about their photos and how they sound and seeing themselves on video and that sort of thing. And I was lucky enough to get to be a a speaker at a conference and the organizer had asked me for my bio. And so I sent that over. I was very happy to write that up and send it over. And when I arrived, there was this huge poster with my name and bio and that sort of thing. But she she hadn't asked me for a headshot for my photo. And so she went online to find one herself. And the one she found and chose was of me hula hooping at a festival. And I sorry, I hear you laughing. I'm like horrified. I'm horrified. And, you know, it was a nice, pretty picture of me, but it was so not the professional image I was hoping to, you know, announce to this whole conference. And it was this wake up call like, oh, I need to anticipate people's needs even if they don't ask me for everything that they need. So if, if someone asks me for their, my bio, that means they're going to do something with it and they might also need a photo and they don't even know it yet. So now I have created a landing page, a web page with two headshot photos that they can choose, uh, a bio as well as an introduction because sometimes when people come up on stage and read something about you, bios can be very dry uh, but an introduction has more of a voice and a tone and that sort of thing. So it's actually a script that I wrote for them, you know, Oh, and I also include logos and just in case they need to put it in the brochure, that sort of thing. And so I've been learning to anticipate people's needs and it's to help them, but it's really also to help me and, and help shine a light on the professional business that I've created in the way that I want it done And I realized I can't get mad at other people for doing things not the same way I would do them. So I find the easier I make it for people to do business with me, whether that's sending the headshot and bio in advance or sending an invoice with my W-9, you know, knowing what they're going to have to use to process the paperwork or go through the motions that they need to do. It makes me look professional, like I've done this before. And it gets done faster. So I get paid sooner and I have the headshot that I want on the poster, not just what they can find of me online. That's huge. Anticipating people's needs even before they realize it, because you never know when you're dealing with somebody who's new to their position. Exactly. They may not realize it. And I'm, I'm kind of chuckling to myself because I'm just thinking like, uh, like I can make a Facebook meme about this. Like the moment, you know, that disappointing moment, you uh, again realize that people can't read your mind and don't think the way you think. (laughs) Yeah, And just having a great picture of somebody making a face in that moment. Cause like, I don't know how many times it happens like time and again. And I'm, I'm like, 
looking at somebody as they're telling me something and I'm like, oh yeah, you don't think the way I do. Right. 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 (laughs) And for a lot of us, we have the same type of work over and over. So I get to speak on stage. I like being interviewed. I have my own checklists. I have my own procedures. And I realized sometimes people get tasked with organizing a conference or a, a meeting or that type of thing, and they've never done it before. So they don't know until the very last minute when they're trying to get something to the printers or you know, they, they, somebody says, well, what do you want on the sign? And they're like, oh my God, a sign. I didn't know we had a sign. You know, so the more work I can do for them, the better they do, the, the easier it is for them to hire me again, because I'm so easy to work with. I mean, all of those things really add up and it's like, how can I make it easy on myself? I do these things once I create a place I have it on the website. I also have it in, in a Dropbox folder that I can share with uh, event planners. So they have it in whatever format is going to be easiest for them. And, you know, I come from the productivity training background. And so it's all about how can I do the work one time, do it to the best of my ability, and then put it in a way that's easy to replicate over and over and over without any extra work. And I think there's a great lesson in this because this can translate into many different situations and scenarios for people where, you know, sometimes to be 100% honest, sometimes I'll feel resentful, right? They're making me do their job, right? Right, right. That sort of thing. But the reality is if I go a little bit above and beyond to help it, help make it easier for them to do their job, I'm benefiting as well. Yes, Especially in that's in the situation you described, but that actually could be holiday, family parties, right? <laughs> you know, any any of any situation where you have to coordinate with somebody else, this, you know, going a little bit above and beyond can actually translate into less work for you down the road. And Jody, what I want everyone to get is there is no one way to lead, right? We all have different abilities, talents, and skills. And so that's going to translate into having different leadership styles as well. So Jody, how would you describe your leadership style? I like to have a good time. I don't like conflict. And I like partnerships. So I left a job where I was for seven years and I got to the point where I was miserable and not willing to get out of bed. And I, I was very fortunate. I, I am very fortunate to have a very supportive husband who said, this isn't worth it. You need to leave. This is not good for you. So I went off for a year and did my own freelancing and I liked the work, but I wasn't, I didn't love the business of finding work and the business of business. And I think that's always a big challenge for entrepreneurs to go from being good at the task or the product that you create to also doing sales and invoicing and marketing and website and paperwork and insurance and all that kind of stuff. So I knew I needed a partner that had other skills. And I'm very fortunate that I work with my husband now. And between the two of us, he loves being on stage and he loves sales. He loves talking and finding out what people need and figuring out a way to deliver that, that promise. And for me, I love all the behind the scenes of what makes things happen. So I handle everything from finances and insurance and scheduling and, and technology. And I'm, I'm the director of operations for us. I make everything else happen. I think it's really important to know what you're good at and not beat yourself up for the stuff that you're not. 
I do try and learn sales and I'm, I'm much more comfortable now talking about what we do, but you got to know, like I know inside of me, that's never going to be the thing that, you know, makes me jump out of bed and run into the world, you know, and, and it's good to know what, what will make you want to pop out of bed because doing more of that is there's a long-term sustainability to it. And I've been on the other side. I've been in a place where I, I literally would stay in bed and drag until the last possible moment till I, I couldn't be late, you know, but it was rushed and I needed that jolt because that was the only thing that, that helped me go there every day. And, and that's a hard place to live, you know, and if you've ever had the Sunday night blues where you just start getting a little sad because you anticipate what's coming the next day. It's like, I can really appreciate that. And it's a hard place to be. So my leadership skill was finding work that really aligned with me and the people and the the messaging and what it is that I produce. And so that's what I love is I help people with their productivity. I help them get their momentum on what's really important to them. And it makes me want to get up in the morning and I, I get to travel all over the world, which was one of my dreams and goals And, you know, there's people in the far corners of the world that want what you have to give. Know that, you know, I live in a small town with 8,000 people and I think half of them think I'm crazy and don't know what it is that I do because they (laughs) see me sitting at the coffee shop at 930 in the morning. But uh, that's the quality of life I can do because I've been up on the morning and, you know, talking to clients in Zurich or Europe and, you know, I have a development team, a website team that's in India. And, you know, so my world is now 24 hours a day, all, all days, you know, and that's, that's okay with me. That was the quality of life I was looking for where I didn't want a Monday through Friday, eight to five kind of a life. And it's really important to know that about yourself. It's, it's not easier any other way. I don't know that I work any less, (laughs) but I just have this quality of life. You know, the things that I really value, I don't wake up to an alarm clock in the morning. I think that is the, one of the most abundant, wealthy experiences anybody could ever have is I get out of bed when I wake up and I pop out of bed and I jump in the shower and I feed the dog and I'm off to the coffee shop, you know, and I look at email on my phone and respond to things and do a little social media and then I come home and I work on writing and, and client projects. And that's a typical day in my life. And it's all by design. It's, it's been pushing little, little bits, little steps along the way. It didn't start off that way, but that's more and more what I'm going towards. Wow. Okay. There was a <laughs> lot in there and I love it. <laughs> One question um, and then a couple of comments. Sunday night blues. Can I borrow that? Because I think I'm going to write a blog post on that. I've experienced it, but I haven't heard it said that way before. But you know, I, I, I have, and I know many, many people who like, as the weekend is drawing to a close and Sunday morning turns into Sunday afternoon, you just start to feel like your world is closing in on you. (laughs) And that is no bueno. Um, (laughs) And when you talked about how the people in your small town, how they, most of them probably think you're crazy. One of the people I had in the early launch of the show, Marcia Bennett, the quote that she gave was a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, to be great is to be misunderstood. Yeah, I love right? that one. Yes. 
I know. When she said it, I got chills. I was like, oh, I love that. I hadn't heard that one before. It was so great. And it's so true because when, you know, to really live a life that other people around you are not living, you have to do things that they're not doing. And and so, of course, they're going to be like, what are you doing? Why are you at the coffee shop first thing in the morning, you know, staring at your laptop all day? What do you do? You know, that sort of thing. And what jumped out me right away when you first started answering the question was you said, in your leadership style, that you don't like conflict. And I know that probably resonated with a lot of people who are listening to your answer that, oh, I don't like conflict either. But conflict, you know, not conflict, confrontation, you know, having to have dicey conversations, you know, however we want to phrase it, that that's a that's a part of life. So how do you deal with that, knowing that you don't like conflict when you know the situation is calling for something like that? Right. So my preventative move is to try and do as much work as I can to make sure it's going to work out successfully. So that's my first thing is I am willing to do more work to not have to have that difficult conversation. So for example, with sending a client, my bio, my headshot, the W9 form for the the taxes and the invoice, I do way more work on the front end before people ever ask me for anything. And I explain it and I have these templates and here's how you use this and here's how to do this because I don't like when, you know, getting paid late or having to follow up and say, you know, could you check on this and find out where it is in the payment process? Just having to do that shows me that I may have had an opportunity to preempt that. Uh, It does still happen on occasion. And one of the things that I've learned is to handle things with the appropriate technology. So email is fantastic for logistics, right? And transfer Mm -hmm. of, of information back and forth. It is not fantastic for building rapport and building relationships and getting to know people. And I think one of the reasons why our small business has been so successful is people feel like they know me. They, they know me, me, you know, not just my name on an email, but I send connection requests to people on LinkedIn that are clients. I try and do as much as I can to build relationship, build rapport, give while I can, while it's really easy so that if something comes up downline, downstream, and we have to have one of those difficult conversations, it's not the first time we've ever had a real conversation. So we get on the phone ahead of time. We make that a priority. We prioritize the relationships on the front end, build rapport before you need it, network before you need it. All of those things, like for me, it's all about prevention so that I don't have to have a terrible conversation. I've had people, clients go to bat for us and just go above and beyond because they it makes them feel good and they can do it. And we work with some huge fortune 500 companies in the military and the federal reserve. And I mean, we work with some huge organizations and you know what? They're just built with people and those people can be as nimble as they want when they really want to help out. Wow. That is so true. I, you know, Jody, I feel like we could have like a, a do a whole seminar <laughs> on how if you don't like conflict, put in the effort on the front end to build relationships, even with curmudgeons, yeah. because that will make a huge difference in your life. And I was like, I'm having flashbacks to times in my career when it made a big difference that I had spent some time building relationships with people because when we got in a crunch and we had yes. to ask for help, yes. the answer was yes. Yes. I I think that would be fun to do like 
the nice girl's guide to tough business or something, <laughs> you know, where, where you don't have to be an awful megalomaniac, you know, that yells at people like that's never going to be me, but I like results. I like being on time. I, I need certain demands as well. Um, and like you said, you, you build it before you need it and people come through for you. It's really yeah, possible. They, they really do. And Jody, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? There's a bunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have created an online program called Get Momentum. And that has been such a thrill because what we're finding is there's so many people that don't have access to great supportive information where they work and yet they still want to keep learning and growing and getting better. They just don't have the tools that they need. And so we created this online course that has live webinars and one-on-one -on -one phone calls with me and everything from productivity and, and presentation skills and things like that. And so that's what I'm really thrilled to tell people about is, is to invite them to check it out. Uh, it's time to get momentum.com on the web. And that's where we, we put all of our good tips and content to help people do more of what it is that they want to be working on. I love it. All right. Now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So Jody, tell us what is one practice that makes you a better leader? Picking up the phone and calling people. I think so often we get busy and there's email and meetings and, you know, all those things that take you away from your real work. I find that picking up the phone and calling people before something goes wrong, just to check in, just to let people know I'm thinking about them, letting them know I found an online resource. And I'm going to send them some information. That kind of thing goes so far in building relationships and, re and building rapport. And I, it's just been a game changer in our business. That, okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> As you're saying that, I'm like, gosh, I always want to reach out and call people more often, but I always feel like I'm in a time crunch yeah. that I don't, I don't want to make the phone call only because I only have five minutes and all of this stuff. And, you know, as you were saying that I was like, I really need to organize my schedule and really think about what I say yes and no to. So I do have more time to pick up the phone. And instead of only being able to be on the phone for three minutes, right to be able to have a 10 or 15 minute conversation and, with a few different people. And it's during the true. Day. And people will tell you the most amazing things. And they'll say, Oh, you know what? I was just thinking about you. I was, so, I've been so busy. I've been meaning to call, you know, and I'm not saying I do it for sales reasons. I'm not cold calling. I am truly just calling to check in and, and to let people know what's going on, but it, it puts you in people's minds as well. And this whole concept of reaching out, you know, hoping that your website sells your services has never worked for us. We've spent tens of thousands of dollars in creating beautiful websites. But you know what really sells? People knowing us and having had a personal email or a real conversation or somehow I send them something in the mail. Then there's a willingness to check out what I do because they get me. They they know who I am and what I represent. And that's, that's what works for us. That's killer. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? I love the alchemist. 
by Paolo oh, Coelho. Yeah. Yes. It's a very non-traditional business book, but I think there's plenty of tradition in the world that's already acceptable of all the how-tos and how to be busy. I think the real work is deciding what you want to spend your life energy on. Like what, what makes you want to get up in the morning and how do you do more of that? And the, the alchemist is a beautiful fictional story, but I think the messages are quite strong and powerful. Yes. And well-written. I read the alchemist and it was enjoyable and impactful. So I, I would definitely back you up on that one. Good. I'm glad you liked it too. Yes. And Jody, knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? Uh, you know, when I told you the story of waiting to ask the, the restaurant if I could use their room, I would start taking mm. initiative sooner. And I know it's a hard thing to say, but we have so much more power than we give ourselves credit for. And waiting until you have all the answers is not the only way. (laughs) I know it feels safer, like, oh, I'll do that when I know, or when I have this, or when there's more money, or when, you know, it's like, there's always a huge list of wins. I'll do that when. And I just encourage you, take a small step, take a bite, be willing to have a little rejection, you know, hear somebody say no, but know that there's a yes out there as well. So taking initiative and not waiting for permission is where the big promises and the big yeses are. You know, and I think what people would find is the more they're willing to ask, the yeses are like be, are more common than they would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There, one of the things that I loved uh, that I've loved learning about business is there are a lot of people out there that want to help you and that want you yeah. to succeed. And I don't think they teach that in school. I think they teach a very old model of competition and kill your competition. And and I have just not found that to be my case. I think there are people who've been mentors to me that are in similar industries. And they just know that there's an abundance out there. There is room for more. And the more I can do to help people, the more interesting network and resources I have. So so work on that. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> I'm going to work on that too. Cause I, I can always use more of that. Oh yeah. I think that, you know, there's never a point where I think we've all mastered everything. There's always something to be working on. And I think that's, you know, just asking for what we want, asking for what we need. I think, especially for women, Yeah, it, it is, it, we're just not as bold as men tend to be in that area. So that's definitely a skill I know I need to develop as well. Yeah. We self filter much more And we have these things like, Oh, I don't need that or that there are other people in the world who don't have as much. And I, my concept is the more I have, the more I have to give and that I'm trying to be a source of good and power in the world and getting to help other women in business has been so important to me. And I just take great pride in it and it feeds me too. It reminds me of what's possible and to stop playing small and to, to have a big idea. Now, Judy, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. You can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about short and sweet. And there are some times where I've been walking up on a stage and it's like, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And there's something powerful about like short and sweet. I need to be my biggest fan. 
you know, and having people support you and, and want great things for you is nice, but you can do it for yourself as well. So even if you're surrounded by, you know, energy vampires and, you know, energy sucks and people who, who were just looking to be sarcastic and poke holes and everything, you can give yourself that positive affirmation that what you're working on is really important and the world needs it. And the world needs you to be big. And that, that helps me. That's huge. And lastly, Jody, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? I do emails. So I'm at Jody, J-O-D-I, spelled correctly. Uh, Jody <laughs> at Jody Womack, W-O-M-A-C-K.com. And I'm also on Twitter at, at Jody Womack. So, and I would love to re- hear what you're working on and, and hear from you. So thanks so much for letting me do that. Oh, I love that. And you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. And Jody, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We're all better for having met you. Oh, Jody, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.